Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Peter and John, people recognized that they had been with Jesus because of their courage. And so I hope you've been living a courageous life all week and that people were able to see how close to Jesus you've been. So this week, I want to just uh, preach a stand-along message. And, and just uh, I've really been chewing on this word since about July. In July, Julie and I had this opportunity. Uh, as I told you, she was leading worship at a big conference. But we got to leave a couple days early uh, to go to YouthQuest. And Charles is here, Charles Boyd, our national youth director. Uh, Charles was leading YouthQuest. And YouthQuest was what I used to do. And so I'm pretty uh, intimately acquainted with YouthQuest. And just so happened that YouthQuest this year, the theme was marked. And uh, as we're on the plane, and I'm doing what I do on the plane, which is look out the window, in my mind I begin to think about marked and, and think about youth con conference. I, I've been around youth conferences enough to know what was basically going to happen. I thought, how many of you have ever gone to a meeting that you had a preconceived notion of what was going to happen? I, I've been to those, right? And so I, I figured, being the preacher and the preacher coming out of me, I started preaching all the sermons that were going to be preached about marked. Like, I knew that somebody was going to stand up and say, you, talking to these young people, you've been marked by destiny, and you've been marked by promise, and you've been marked by purpose, and you, ah, you've been marked by, oh, y'all get that in a minute, provision, and all this stuff. And, and I was pretty sure that somebody... Since it's a Pentecostal youth conference, somebody would have to stand up and say, you've been marked by power. And we got to go to the last night, and Chris Hill was there, and he was preaching a powerful message. And he said, and you've been marked by power, except he said it more powerfully than I just said it. And, and it was a good conference. And as I'm, as I'm re, uh, riding in the plane and I'm looking out the window, I very clearly heard the Holy Spirit say that all those things are true. The, those are real words. Those are real promises to God's people, not just to young people, to you. In fact, I've spent time over the past year or so telling you corporately and individually that you are marked by destiny and you are marked by power and you are marked by purpose and promise. All that is so true. But I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and say that there's another type of mark that I place on people. But then I heard him say that this isn't a pretty mark. And that this mark doesn't make for good preaching, but it's real and it completes the rest of the picture for your life. Some of you recognize this morning that you are marked by destiny, purpose, promise, provision, but it doesn't complete the rest of the picture in your life. And you've been confused and you've wondered, how does all these things happen to me and all this kind of stuff? And you want the picture completed. And so this morning I want to take a few moments and try from God's Word to help your life and your experience to make sense. I don't have time to read the entire uh, scope of the passages that I want to read to you. If you have time this week, I strongly encourage you to get your Bible out and read from Genesis chapter 25 to Genesis chapter 33 because it will show you the entire picture that I felt like the Lord showed me. But I just want to read some highlights to kind of give you a, uh, I don't know, an overview, if you will, of the account. I want to read to you out of Genesis chapter 5, beginning in verse 29. If, if you would, watch on the screen or follow along in your Bible to kind of give you an idea. It says, Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. And he said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And Jacob replied, First sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, 
swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then in Genesis uh, chapter 27, beginning in verse 21, it says, Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. And Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Genesis chapter 27, verse 41. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing of his father that his father had given him. And he said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When this man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob but Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Then the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel. And he was limping because of his hip. And Jacob, Genesis chapter 37 verse 1 says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. Jacob got what every young man in that day wanted. You've got to understand for perspective that in that day, they did not operate how we operate with wheels. We know what's going to happen, what kind of inheritance you're going to receive by the will that has been prepared by your family so that on the demise of your parents, you go get the will out of the safe and it re you read it and you determine who gets the china and who gets the rings and who gets the rifle and who gets the plate and who gets what. And it divides it up for us. But in that day, there was no written will. And so the way it worked was that the firstborn, had the, it just so happened that if you were the firstborn, you were able and were uh, had the right to inherit the birthright. And not only the birthright, secondarily you would receive the blessing. And so you know the story. Jacob is not the firstborn. Jacob is the secondborn. But Jacob was born into a dysfunctional family. David or Jacob was born into a family where mom and dad played favorites. Jacob's dad loved the older son Esau, but Jacob's mom loved Jacob. And so through the help and the assistance of a conniving mother, Jacob works it out and puts fur on his arms and puts Esau's clothes on so he'll smell like his older brother. And he walks into his father whose sight is beginning to diminish due to age. And in that moment, Isaac gives Jacob his blessing. Jacob gets the birthright and the blessing. For a pot of beans, Jacob now owns the whole bean field. If you will, Jacob owns the keys to the kingdom. You need to go and read sometime the powerful words of blessing that Jacob speaks over or that Isaac speaks over Jacob and see the implications for Jacob's life. They have powerful implications. He is marked by the birthright. He is marked by the blessing that is spoken over him. Why was the birthright and the blessing so important? Let me tell you a couple reasons. Number one, because he received the birthright, Jacob is now entitled to a double portion of his father's inheritance. He gets twice as much. 
as all the other siblings. Not only that, he now has rule and authority over the members, uh, all the members of the, the rest of the family, nieces and nephews and brothers and sisters. He now, as the owner of the birthright, he now has authority and is the ruler over all of them. They look to him for direction. He is the patriarch at the demise of Isaac. When Isaac passes away, Jacob now becomes the patriarch of the family, the priest of the home. They look to him for answers and spiritual guidance. He becomes the chief or the chosen member of the family, and he becomes the heir of the promised blessing. But one of the most significant implications is that now Jacob is able to invoke the blessing of Abraham. You will remember in the Old Testament that God speaks to Abraham and gives him a, a, a blessing, speaks a blessing that is supposed to transcend down through the generations, and now it rests on Jacob, and he can walk in that blessing. Let me remind you how powerful the blessing was. It was this, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you you got to see what happens in Jacob's life. Jacob is now a young man that is marked by great wealth. He is a young man that is now marked by great power. He is a young man that is now marked by great protection. He is a young man that is now marked by position. And he's a young man that is even marked by promise. He was marked. But I want you to notice something. Interestingly enough, even though he is marked by power and protection, position, promise, all those things, even at the moment that he's marked by all those things, he finds himself looking over his shoulder, living in the fear of his past. He finds himself a fugitive. He finds himself as a hated brother. He finds himself as an outcast. He finds himself unwanted. He finds himself being bested by his uncle at this game of sleight of hand that he thought that he had perfected, and instead his uncle turns tables on him and tricks him. He finds himself, even though he's blessed, even though he's powerful, even though he has provision, even though he has protection, even though he has all of those things, he finds himself on his wedding day excited only to wake up the next morning to find somebody in his bed that he didn't want. He finds himself in a dead-end job, working for less pay than he thought he should, working at a job that took longer than he anticipated. His life wasn't exactly turning out like all the TV preachers tell you that it's supposed to. Oh, don't look at me like that. Some of you know you watch enough television to know that TV preachers are telling you that you ought to have a Cadillac in the, in the garage and that you ought to be living in a mansion and that you ought to, ought to have diamonds in the bank and that everything ought to turn out all right and your life is going to be all of that in a bag of shit. But you find yourself in a situation like Jacob. And then as an outward manifestation of what is going on in his life internally, he finds himself marked by pain. Blessed, yes. Positioned, promised, destined, protected, but marked by pain. Think about this a moment. Not only is he marked by pain, he is marked by God-caused pain. Because we find that in this encounter with this God figure, he wrestles with God and this pain marks him for the rest of his life. All these things happen. He's 
got a dislocated hip because he's involved in a God-dominated wrestling match. And the runner now becomes a limper. Handicapped. Right before he marches into his promise. Right before his family is restored. Right before his prophesied blessing comes to pass. At that moment, he finds himself marked by pain. In fact, Jacob becomes known by, becomes recognized and written about because of the mark of pain in his life. I came to affirm to you this morning that, yes, in fact, we do have a birthright and we do have a blessing. If you have come into contact with Jesus and given Jesus your life and turned your life over to him, can I tell you this morning that he, just like Jacob, you didn't deserve it. We weren't worthy enough. And it just so happens that when we stood in line, the older brother stepped out of the way and ushered us to the Father and said, give them what I deserve. Give them my birthright. We don't deserve the birthright. But we have access to the birthright. We have, been, we have inherited what we did not deserve. And because of the birthright and because of the blessing, we stand here more blessed than we deserve. We stand here more abundant than, in fact, I would tell you this morning that just like the birthright impacted Jacob, the birthright has impacted us. And just as rich and just as blessed as Jacob was because of his birthright, we have been too. In fact, I would say it to you like this. Jesus said that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. That's the double portion. We have the ability. We have authority. We've been blessed with authority. In fact, the Bible says that we have the power to bind and the power to loose, the power to bless, and the power to curse. Now, we don't always live up to that, but we have that authority because of the birthright. We have position, status with God that we did not have before. Because of what Jesus has done in our lives, we have become heirs and joint heirs. We can operate under the power and the authority of his name. We have a power in the kingdom that we don't deserve. We have access to provision and healing. In fact, we have the opportunity now, I've told you this before, I'll tell you again, we have the opportunity now to become a great people. A blessed people. That's who we are. But that doesn't complete the picture of our life because although our lives have been indelibly marked by the birthright and by the blessing, the truth is that many of our lives parallel the life of Jacob as well because although we are blessed and although we are protected and although we do have provision and although we do have authority, the truth is this morning that many of us still have lives that are marked by pain. Under the sound of my voice, there are some of you that sit here this morning that have watched your spouse, the love of your life, the partner of dreams, either pass away or walk away. Relationships that have ended that you expected to last forever, you find yourself marked by pain. Blessed, oh yeah, you've been blessed, but you're still marked by pain. Some of you have buried children we all know this morning that parents are supposed are not supposed to outlive children and so our lives when we lay that young one infant in the grave or child in the grave something happens to us and we become indelibly marked by pain and some of us have watched in horror and in disbelief as children who are now making their their own life their their 
finding their own way. We've watched those same children that once brought such joy. Now they step all over our heritage and the example and the standards that we thought we'd branded them with. And that child that once caused smiles now brings tears. And we find ourselves marked, marked by pain. Some of you either presently are or have in the past walked through financial ruin. Your hopes are dashed. Your dreams are delayed. Your life has been altered forever. Some of you have been taken advantage of. Some of you have been neglected. Some of you have been abused. Some of you have been violated. Some of you have witnessed violence. And maybe perhaps some of you committed violence and were marked by pain. So what do we do? Do we fake it till we make it? That's what we try to do. Do we just keep smiling every time we come to church like everything is all right? Do we discount the birthright and the impact and the richness of our birthright and say that's just for some people that doesn't work for everybody? Some people are blessed. I must not be one of those people. God was telling them the truth, but he was lying to me. Do we become so dis disillusioned and operate in such despair that we can't get out of bed in the morning? Do we not understand? What do we do? How does that complete the life? How does that complete the picture for us? Yes, we've been marked with destiny. Yes, there's power in our life. Yes, there's authority. Yes, there's blessing yes there's provision but what do we do with our pain I came to teach you some things about pain this morning three things the first thing I want to say to you this morning is that God does not waste our pain See, many of us have met God as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Most of us have encountered God as Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Many of you have trusted God as Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Some of you have trusted God as Jehovah Nisi, our banner, our cover. But I came to introduce you to a God this morning that is Jehovah Frugal. He does not waste our pain. In fact, what God does with our pain is he redeems our pain. He makes sense of the pain. The Bible says that he works everything together for our good. Revelation teaches us that God, in fact, bottles up every tear that we've ever cried. God redeems our pain. A wounded healer specializes in gathering wounded followers. God redeems our pain and he turns it into a platform by which I can minister to others because I do need to hear your stories of victory. I do need to hear your stories of triumph. I do need to hear your story of overcoming. But the reality is that the common language, the common language of humanity that we can all understand is the language of pain. And so God takes all the hurtful devastating moments of our life and if we would understand that he turns those things he redeems those things in fact i would say to you this morning that your pain is god's passion if you want to find god find somebody in pain and god will be right there if you want to find god in your own life turn and look at your own pain and god will show up there god specializes in pain in fact i would say to you this morning that if god doesn't redeem our pain if he wastes our pain, then he nullifies the power of the gospel. And the gospel becomes a sham and a lie. Because the Bible says that in the gospel that, behold, all old things become new. He can turn it all around. He takes everything that we've been through and he redeems it for our good. 
And so I came to encourage you this morning, all the hurtful things that you've endured, all the pain and the misery that you've gone through that didn't fit in the picture of being blessed and being positioned and being powerful and, and all that. Let, listen to me this morning. God won't waste one moment of your life. He works it together for our good. The second thing I would say to you this morning is that pain marks you, but it doesn't have to stop you. Notice, if you will, that Jacob's walk was changed forever, but it didn't ch stop his journey. He walks with a limp. He gets in a wrestling mat. I don't know if you've ever dislocated anything, but may I tell you this morning that to dislocate something hurts, and he's in the midst of the pain, and he's dragging this leg behind him, but it doesn't stop his walk. He continues to journey on. In fact, I read to you out of Genesis chapter 37 that the Bible says he goes to the promised land, and he sets up residence there because although pain marked him, pain did not stop him. I came to tell some of you this morning is that some of you have allowed the pain of your life to not only mark you, but it has derailed you from continuing your walk. Pain will mark you, but that does not mean that it has to stop you. It doesn't mean that you have to quit making progress. It doesn't mean you stop your journey and get off of the destiny trail that God has for you. Pain marks you, but it cannot stop you. Because, see, here's the truth. Some of you have allowed the pain of your life to become more than a handicap. You've allowed it to become a hindrance, and there's a huge difference. A handicap may slow you down, but it doesn't stop you. But at the moment that you allow it to become a hindrance, it stops you in your tracks. I want to draw your attention that Jacob, when he wrestled, early in the wrestling match, he was dislocated. But the Bible says that he continued to wrestle all night long. In the midst of his pain, he didn't quit. In the midst of his hurt, he didn't quit. He held on. He wouldn't let go. The Bible says that this figure that he's wrestling with says, let me go. And he refuses. I came to tell some of you that you need to grab back hold of your destiny and get a hold of your promise again. I know you're going through pain, but pain might mark you. It doesn't have to stop you. Get a hold of your destiny again and keep walking. Can't let it stop you. I, I would lie to you today if I didn't tell you that there is some pain that you have to learn to live with. Hear me this morning. I could get up here and lie to you and say there are some of the things that happened to you that, that you... If you would just get in touch with God, you'd forget all about them. Hogwash. We don't forget the painful moments of our life. There are some things that happen in life that you can pray all you want, fast all you want, do claim victory all you want, but there is some pain in your life that will affect your journey, but that pain cannot stop you from walking. We've got to learn to deal with it, to embrace it and understand that we've got to get to our inheritance. In fact, this morning, I just want to challenge some of you to limp into your inheritance. As marked as you are, as hurt as as you are, as much pain as, if you, as you have endured, limp your way into your promised land. And the third thing I would say to you this morning is that your pain may prepare you for your arrival in your promise. That's a different way to look at pain. Notice, if you will, that the pain that marked Jacob forever was positioned mere hours before he walked into his promised promise. Just a few hours before his whole family is going to be restored. 
and the grudge is going to be forgiven. Just a few hours before he comes back into his father's household, into his rightful position, just a few hours before he marches into the promise, just a few hours before, he is forever marked by pain. Could it be that your pain is preparing you to enter into the greatest, most effective, most fruitful, most meaningful season of your life? But we stop short. Could it be that pain is, in fact, a doorway or a threshold that if we would keep walking through it on the other side of the pain is our inheritance, but we see pain and we go, I can't make it any further, and we forfeit our inheritance with not understanding that the pain is positioning, it's preparing us to inherit our promise. Could it be that we see pain wrong and misunderstand that what we see as debilitating, God may see as preparation and coronation. You'd graduate if you keep walking across the stage. I came to encourage somebody this morning, because this is where I think we fail. We see pain as the end. We, we see we're, we're, we're cruising through life. Everything is great. The checkbook is full. The, the family's doing great. Our plans are working out. Our agenda's taking place. And all of a sudden, we come up to pain, and we're devastated, and we're overcome, and we're, we're disillusioned, and we go, that's the end. But I came to tell somebody this morning that your pain is not the end. It is, in fact, the beginning. If we would see pain the way God sees pain, we would understand that in the painful moments of our life, He is just preparing us to graduate into our inheritance. You've got to walk through your pain. Can I remind you this morning that you are destined? You are powerful. You do have authority. You do have rights to provision. You are an heir with Christ Jesus. But can I complete the picture and make some sense and connect the dots in your life? Just because you're blessed and just because you're promised and just because you have provision and just because you have position with God does not mean that you are immune to pain because pain is common to all of us. What connects me to Jesus, in fact, is his pain. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 teaches us that we have a Savior. We look to Him as a Savior, not because He could turn loaves into basketfuls, not because He could turn water into wine, not because He could heal all the lame folks in the community. The reason that I'm drawn to Jesus is because He, was, he felt the same infirmities and the same issues that I felt, the same pain that I feel, and yet He did it without sin, and He goes and endures the pain of the cross. I'm drawn to Jesus because of His pain. Because it gives me hope in my pain. And some of you have stopped walking and stopped journeying because of the pain in your life. And I just came to challenge you this morning that God wants to redeem every painful moment. I just came to tell you this morning that just because you're marked with pain, you don't have to stop. In fact, I came to tell you this morning that if you would just press on through your pain, you might be just standing on the next, right over the threshold of a great graduation to find your inheritance. Will you stand with me this morning? Is pain painful? Absolutely. 
Is pain enjoyable? No. Is it common? Yes. It's common. In fact, I want to say this to you this morning. You need to understand that everybody that smiled at you when you walked in here is marked by pain. We don't glow in the dark. We're not so powerful that we don't ever feel pain. We all feel pain. What I'm calling you to this morning is to be realistic and to be truthful. How can we help you with your pain if we don't know about your pain? We posture with one another and try to convince people that we've got it all together. I got news for you. I have pain. But I know you have pain too. It's common. Most of us, when we get hurt and we experience pain, we check out. Let me ask. Okay, look here. Come here, Caleb. Come on. In football, guy gets hurt on the field. He's out of the game. Most cases, he doesn't stay out of the game. He gets back in eventually. We got to learn that. But there's something that happens in football. If Caleb is playing football and he gets hurt, I go out there on the field and I help him to the sidelines to get healed. This is the picture of what we have to do as a body. We need to understand that we're in this together. That, yeah, there are days that Caleb's going through so much pain that i got to help him walk off the field. But there will be days when it's going to switch, and I'm going to need some help getting off the field because we're all marked by pain. We're called to help one another. You can't help it if you, we can't help one another if we're faking it. And so I'm telling you this morning, God wants to redeem the painful things you've been through. How's he going to do that? Together. Father, this morning, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have a Savior that understands what we go through. And I'm thankful for a body that you've given us that we can turn to in the time of need. Father, I pray for every person in this building. The truth is we've all been marked by pain. Some of us have learned to deal with it and some of us haven't. Some of us have continued to travel through our pain and we're out the backside and we're doing great. But there are some of us standing in here that are still overcome by the pain of our life and we've allowed what was to be only a handicap, we've allowed it to become a hindrance and we've stopped walking. I pray this morning that you would speak deep in our spirits and you would whisper, I will redeem your pain. Father, I pray for anyone in this place that's disillusioned and that is discouraged. And I pray that you would heal them this morning. I, I'm not asking you. We sang it. There are days we've got to recognize and understand that our circumstances may not change. So I'm asking you to change my perspective about pain and realize that you may, in fact, be using the pain to position me for what you have in store for me. Teach us this morning, I pray. Help us to help one another, I pray, this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, uh, you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. The bad news is, is that in your situation, pain can overwhelm you. The good news is that, that all you have to do is ask Jesus to come into your heart and 
he will help you walk through the pain. The pain might not stop, but he will have, you will have somebody to walk next to you and to help you overcome your pain. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, it's real simple. You just got to ask. But I'd like to help you ask this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus and you would like to ask Jesus to come into your heart, we want to help you. If you just raise your hand and pull it right back down, we promise we will not embarrass you, but we will pray with you. Is there one, anyone, that would like to give their life to Jesus and let him deal with your pain, help you deal with your pain? Is there one? Then I am trusting that everybody under the sound of my voice knows Jesus. We're going to do something this morning a little different. I'm getting ready to dismiss you. But we're going to pray for some folks. Let me repeat, if you're visiting with us for the first time, there are cookies at the back for you. If you need special prayer beyond the scope of what I'm getting ready to talk to you about, our prayer team is standing in the West Lobby, and they will join you there, and they will pray with you. But this morning, if you're here and you are dealing with so much pain that you're not sure you're going to be able to get through and you need somebody to come alongside with you and lock arms with you and pray with you so that you can make it through then I want to ask you, if you would, would you just step out and stand right here and we're going to pray with you this morning. We're going to spend some time in prayer with you. If your life has been marked by pain, but you're not sure you're going to be able to make it through, we want to encourage you this morning. Is there anyone that needs that kind of prayer that would be honest enough to say, I've dealt with a lot of pain and I would like to be able to make it through? Anyone? I'm going to stick around a few minutes after service up here. And if you need special prayer in that regard, then you come see me. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. You're going to have to listen close as I pray to hear the challenge in this prayer. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that what you would do is you would send out my people this week to their jobs and to their schools and to their neighborhoods. And they would become the person that gets their arm around somebody and helps them to limp into their inheritance. I pray that we would become extremely in tune to people who are in pain. And I pray that as we've learned today, you are in the midst of pain. You look for pain. I pray that we would become a group of people that would look for people in pain. And we would become Jesus in the midst of that pain. And we would take the authority and the protection and the provision and the birthright and the blessing that we have received and we would let it rub off on somebody else as we help them walk through pain. I pray you'd give us the right words at the right time in the right way for the right person. And when we speak, you would become Jehovah frugal for that person and you would redeem their pain. Send us out and challenge us with that, I pray, oh God. And, Father, we'll give you glory and honor for that. I bless my people. I ask that you would allow the provision and the destiny and the purpose and the plans that you have for their life to begin to come to pass and continue to come to pass, even in the face of pain. And, Father, we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. If you need special prayer, come see me. We love you much. See you next week. Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.